0: Welcome to the Realities of College Recruiting Podcast, where our team of former college coaches, players, and MLB scouts tackle the most critical college recruiting topics. With guests including college coaches, MLB pro scouts, and industry insiders, we will empower you with the tips and strategies needed to gain an advantage in your college recruiting process. The Sports Force Podcast is powered by our partner, 5-Tool Baseball. Okay, let's start the show.
1: All right, everybody. We are back. It is just turning 8:01 right now in the East Coast. Uh, it is time to get our Sports Force Baseball Twitter space on recruiting position players and hitters started. Uh, you've got Brian Pugh. I am a college recruiting advisor with Sports Force Baseball. Um, I'm working from the Sports Force Twitter account tonight. My personal Twitter account is at Coach. Pugh, that's P-U-G-H, and then the number 17. Um, so feel free to uh, to give a follow there and also use that as we go through the space. Um, I want to uh, – I'm not going to waste any time because they, the last time that we did a pitchers – recruiting t- uh, pitchers Twitter space, I, we – we I felt like we wasted a little bit of time and, and, and we got lost in, in uh, Twitter space a little bit and ran a little bit long. So I want to jump right in. I want to give – Uh, My co-panelists and and our other panelists a chance to introduce themselves, Um, and then we'll get started within uh, or into our uh, chat this evening. Um, So let's start off with Coach Jesse Katz. Coach Katz, I know that you're uh, locked in. Why don't you tell everybody who you are, say hi, and uh, get us rolling.
2: Good Good evening, everyone. My name is Jesse Katz. Like BP said, I'm a consultant here with Sports Force Baseball. Uh, I've spent the last seven years coaching at the collegiate level, most recently as a recruiting coordinator at the Division II level. Prior to that, I was an associate head coach and recruiting coordinator at the NAIA level. Uh, I'm very excited to get into this topic tonight. Like BP said, the last one was awesome. It went really long. We had a lot of really good conversation, but I'm excited for this one. Feel free to uh, give me a follow and uh, shoot me my DMs with any questions.
3: Beautiful. Coach Zach Bishop, you're on. What's going on, guys? My name is Zach Bishop. I'm a new recruiting advisor at Sports Force. I have about seven years of coaching experience at the Division III level. I was an assistant coach and recruiting coordinator at Webster University in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and most recently, the head baseball coach at Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri. Excited to talk uh, position player recruiting with you guys. I've worked with all positions, uh, but I have a strong background in catching and, and working with hitters. Nice. Thanks,
1: Zach. Uh, Happy to have you on uh, this evening and look forward to uh, to your insight. Coach Matt Kelly, fire away, baby.
4: Happy Wednesday evening, everybody. My name is Matt Kelly. Um, I am a recruiting advisor with Sports Force as well. Uh, I have been a coach at uh, just about every level from high school up through Division one. Uh, most recently at a post-grad academy just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, where I am located now. And uh, like these guys have said, super excited about the topic tonight. Um, I have spent uh, most of my coaching career around position players and hitters and and uh, people who do a lot of what everybody listening here is, is interested in. So going to be a good one tonight. Glad you're all here.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Uh, again, my name is Brian Pugh. I am, a again, a college recruiting advisor at uh, Sports for of all. My background, uh, I have been in a college dugout or was in a college dugout from 2002 up into the 2021 season at every level um, from junior college to Division I, with the exception of NAIA. Um, I've been the last ten years we're at the Division One level at two different institutions as an assistant coach and recru- recruiting coordinator. So um, I'm very excited uh, to have this panel on here this evening. Uh, there's there's a multitude of experience and, and different viewpoints, and and really excited for everybody to share. So um, with that, I have always just longed to say this in a public forum, players. Let's get the topic started. Uh, first thing I want to talk about, and the way so that everybody knows um, how we're going to do this, um, there's going to be some topics that, that I've got down and, and have thought about, and I'm going to kind of pass the torch a little bit to uh, the different panelists this evening and um, get their insight and input on to different aspects of recruiting position players. So the first thing um, that I wanted to touch on is – Um, You know, we're going to get into what coaches and scouts, yes, we're talking about professional scouts as well, uh, but especially college coaches. What are they evaluating when they look at position players? So the first thing that comes to mind for me is the physical attributes of, of position players. And, um, as we get into this, mind you, we are very cognizant and, and very understanding that our audience this evening, uh, I know we've got parents on, I know that we've got student athletes on and prospective student athletes on, and we've probably got everything from rising seniors to rising freshmen on there as well. So as we talk about different things, um, we're going to do our best to relate to the entire audience. Um, so uh, but as you hear things, try to keep things in perspective with regards to where you are in the recruiting process as it pertains to your grad year. So 26 um, you are in a completely different place than a twenty three is right now. So just try to keep everything in perspective. So with that, I'm going to go coach Bishop first. Coach Bishop, talk to me and talk to the audience about the physical attributes that college coaches are looking for when they are evaluating uh, and recruiting position players?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, in in regard to physical aspects and and players' physicality, uh, physicality is certainly going to be an asset for you in the recruiting process. I like to tell uh, student athletes and, and former players, you know, When a a scout or a coach, the first thing they do is walk out to the ballpark. Whether it's to watch you take BP, whether it's watching a group or a team walk into the ballpark, your body is your billboard for your ability. Uh, Your body is your billboard before your ability is able to speak for itself. So, uh, just the first glimpse that a coach is able to see of you, you know, do you look the part? Are you strong? Are you physical? Do you look like you're a player who's going to be able to translate at the next level from a sheer strength uh, department? Uh, you know, obviously height has some something to do with it there as well. Uh, and, and coaches are going to recruit off of that, or at least give a player an initial look, uh, especially when you think about, you know, just, just the first initial um, time of putting your eyes on a team or a player, that physicality is going to be an asset for you. Awesome. Uh, that
1: That's great. Um, let's see. Uh, Coach Katz one time in any on that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, you're gonna hear me talk a lot about this tonight. If you you've listened to the pitching one, you'll hear, heard me talk about it. Is coaches recruit to the system that they have, and what I mean by system on the offensive side, it's do they want to hit for power? Do they want to hit, you know be a speed team? Do they want to be a bunt and run a slash, um, slap type offense? And so you know when when going out to the field and, and recruiting, they're gonna evaluate and recruit to their to their system. And so you know a lot. A lot of the style right now is going to be that physical um, hit the ball out of the yard, um, a lot of thump in the bat. Um, But the other side of it is the the speed side of it. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm looking for when I head out to the field is is how well are they moving on the field? Um, How well are they moving with their legs? How quick twitched are they? Um, I think those are some really big, big key factors when when watching a game is you can see who's quick twitch and who's not.
1: No question. No question. Those, those are great points. And actually, you know, I thought about this while I was eating dinner here tonight. Uh, if you, if you saw my little, little vignette, my little video vignette earlier tonight, um, I mentioned that I felt like we were going to drop some knowledge bombs here throughout the course of the evening. And, um, I would say that, you know, coach Katz's point right there, Jesse's point right there, as far as recruiting to that particular institution's system um, I think that's a bomb and, and I'm going to give that a boom, um, between the panelists. Is there somebody that is willing to count and tally the number of booms that I throw out there tonight? Is there anybody that's willing to do that? I got you right there. Yes, sir. Let's go. Um, it's going to be at random when I hear something, I'm just going to throw out a boom, but so we've got one so far, coach cats dropped a boom. He dropped a bomb, uh, right there. I thought that was ab- absolutely uh, huge insight there, coach cats um, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna add just a little bit into that I 100% feel like it is dependent upon the age and when you go out and you watch really young players uh, whether they be rising into to high school or just you know starting their freshman maybe even going into their sophomore year I think what you're looking for is you're looking for the overall athleticism also one of the things that I personally feel, um, young players get frustrated with, um, and an obstacle that they feel that they have to try and overcome is that there are players that are bigger than me. Well, physically, well, when, when you're a freshman or a sophomore in high school or a rising freshman in high school and you're competing against seniors in high school, yes, yes, they're going to be physically bigger than you. And it has nothing to do with weight room. It has nothing to do with training. nothing. What it has to do is it just has to do with maturity and mother nature taking its course. So I mentioned this a few minutes ago for you younger players that are on tonight or parents of younger players that are on tonight. It's really hard. I understand um, and appreciate, but You have to keep in mind that when you're young, you are playing against people and players that are older than you and have just gone, have either started or are in the midst of, or shoot, they might be already through just the general and and natural maturation process. Um, So just keep that in mind too. Uh, The biggest thing for me was, especially with younger players, was always evaluating athleticism. Are their movement patterns athletic? Are they coordinated? Do they show signs of being able to continue their development? Um, I'll be a little egotistical and I'll give myself a boom there. Um, so, uh, with that, let's 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 keep on rolling here. Um, all right, the, the, one of the big and and probably maybe the most um, relevant, timely topic right now are metrics metrics folks are here to stay they are and there's a lot of them that are out there but i'm curious to get some insight and we're going to start with uh coach kelly on on this one i'm curious to get some insight and and thoughts about what do you feel and and what do we feel that coaches are most interested the metrics that coaches are most interested in when they are recruiting position players slash hitters
4: uh well so well first of all I will say the pressure's on already I mean we already got two booms on the board um so pressure on for the rest of the night here to provide some knowledge hey, bombs hey man
1: if we if we get to 50 we get to 50 let's go keep them going perfect it's my it's perfect. my discretion
4: perfect so um no, I do want to – you know, I'll, I want to talk about the metrics really quick to, to kind of tie together what, what Coach Katz and Coach Bishop were kind of talking about there. You heard um, Coach Bishop talk about the physicality, right, and, and just like how physical can you be, and that ties into the athleticism, that ties into speed and all these other things. Um, and Coach Katz talking about the system, right? Is this a, is this a team that's going to bunt a lot and steal a lot of bases or are they a hit the ball in the air and, and watch it fly kind of team? Um, those two things tie together with your projectability um, and so like like coach Pew talked about when we started here we're gonna have some 26s 27s on this call here who you know you might you might be thinking well man I'm, I'm not very big you know I'm, I'm five foot five five foot four or something like that you got a lot of time to grow right everyone's everyone's running a different race here so um, and on, on that same note, these colleges most colleges are going to recruit athletes they're not specifically recruiting, a one position, uh, with a few rare exceptions. But um, I coached a Division One school that recruited a whole bunch of shortstops and put them all over the field. Um, starting catcher was a shortstop in high school. Starting left fielder, shortstop in high school, because typically the shortstop are the athletes, right? They want the most athletic guy in the field who can make adjustments and figure things out. Um, to quickly pivot to the metrics piece of it, um, you know, uh, there's there's a lot that is focused on at showcases and these camps and everything and, and featured tweets with, with club ball um, metrics are like, like coach Pew said here to stay, right? Uh, the biggest one for a lot of coaches is going to be your 60 time. The stopwatch doesn't lie, right? How, how fast are you? And like coach Kat said, are you quick twitch? Do you get off the line quick? Can you chase down a, a fly ball in the outfield? Can you steal second base? Can you beat out a bunt for a base hit? To me, 60 times a big one. Uh, some coaches are, are going to look more an exit below. To me, that's a little bit more subjective of a stat as is catcher pop time. Uh, I'd be curious to hear Coach Bishop's uh, thoughts on that as, as another catching guy. Um, I know pop time can be important, but in the grand scheme of catching, um, I don't put as much weight into that as some other coaches do. Uh, but just be mindful of metrics. I mean, they are here. They're important. They play a role in this uh, and they cannot be ignored.
1: Coach Bishop, I think that was your invitation to chime in on
3: that. Go right ahead. Absolutely, and, and I'm definitely there with you. You know, I think uh, as important as, as metrics are, right, like the metrics to me, they give you an idea or a glimpse of, of what the player could be or what the potential is. Uh, so, sure, your, your pop time specifically, you know, at a showcase uh, might be under a two, but what is that pop time going to translate into a game? How fast can you move there? Uh, I look at it like when, when we talk about the exit velocity, Uh, it is a little subjective and, and um, you know, it, it does a good job at showing coaches that the potential is there. But I also think with metrics, you know, it's important to realize that, that there's fuel for the game that has to be involved too. Right. Like uh, we joke around, we call them five o'clock hitters. Like you still have to be able to play the game. So Don't get so caught up on the fact that right now, you know, if you are a sophomore in high school, if you are a freshman in high school, if you have not filled out yet and you're not posting the 90, 92 mile per hour exit velocity, the 95 mile per hour exit velocity, but you're going out every game and you're going three for four and you're hitting the ball in the gap and you've got a two strike approach and you've got some feel for the game. Like that is just as important to a lot of coaches as the metric side of it is. But I will say, I think the players who, who are able to show those metrics at an earlier time, you know, they are helping introduce themselves or put themselves out there a little faster. BP, we still got you there.
1: Yeah, sorry. I actually forgot to take myself off mute. That's my fault. Um, Yeah, I think that those are great points. And um, one of, you know, just to kind of piggyback off that, one of the things that we have talked a lot about here in the last couple spaces are metrics and what should you be putting out there? Metrics are great. and, And yeah, they're here to stay. But When you put those things out there, whether it be in an email, a tweet, a text, however you're communicating with college coaches, like they are an eye-opener. They are something that grabs the the coach's attention. So sure, if your metrics are off the charts, that's awesome. And I don't know, uh, Zach, if you heard this, but in the middle when you were talking, I gave you a boom because you you hit the nail right on the head. They're an eye-opener. Metrics are an eye-opener. And what that's going to do is that's going to get college coaches out to see you play. It's going to generate interest and put them in a position where they are going to make a decision as to whether or not they feel like you can play at their level. Um, so I hope we tallied that. Um, I, you know what? One of the beauties of this is that everybody has a little bit different viewpoint and, and different thought processes. Um, you know, I'm going back to what Matt said about probably the biggest uh, one, especially from a running standpoint, for position players is a 60 time. Um, when, when I started my career 20 years ago as a college coach, yeah, 60 time was, was like, that was it. Um, there was a lot less metrics that were being evaluated. Right. So I think that one of the things for me, um, in probably the last four or five years that I have placed personally more value on is what is that home to first time? What is that 30-yard split? Because if you do the math, a 30-yard is 90 feet, right? And quite honestly, the farthest that, that offensively, um, like you're going to run 90 feet in a straight line. That's the furthest that you're going to run. There's always going to be a turn in there if you're going further. Um, so that, for me, probably in the last four or five years, is something that I have placed a lot more value on. But again, this is a the metrics thing is a to each their own um, sort of mentality. And there are different things that each program, each college coach values. Um, So just keep that in mind as as well. Uh, But but great stuff right there. All right, let's uh, let's keep the conversation rolling. And um, as as we continue the conversation, um, one thing that that you know I, I probably should have mentioned when we started, but I was just so daggone excited to get into the topic tonight uh, because of how well the last one went. Look, at Sports Force Baseball, we are here to help. Okay, part of the help is the education piece that we do, such as Twitter Spaces, master classes, um, where. It, there's there's nothing involved uh, from a commitment standpoint except for time and, and for you to, as a family, as a student athlete, uh, a recruit, to to listen. Um, we we want to help. We want to educate. Um, we are a for-profit business, and we do partner with uh, a certain number of families every single year, and we have a set criteria uh, that we go through and, and a process that we go through before we decide to partner with a family. Um, so as we go through the evening tonight, we'll talk a little bit more about Uh, what you as players, you as families can do in order to potentially partner with one of our advisors um, and, uh, and try to help navigate the recruiting process. That's what we're trying to do with our partners is we're trying to help navigate this recruiting process, because honestly, it can be very frustrating. It can be very confusing. It can be very overwhelming at times, and we're trying to simplify the process for everybody. So um, we'll, uh, we got that out of the way and, uh, and we'll just keep on rolling now. So we talked about metrics. Um, I'm curious to hear our panel's thought or thoughts as far as how much of an impact defensive ability has on recruiting position players. This is, this is, a, this is a, t- a topic of debate, no doubt about it. How much merit, how much weight goes into the defensive ability of position players? Coach Katz, you lead it off.
2: Yeah, uh, going back to what I said earlier, I think it's 100% dependent on that system that that program runs. Um, you've got a pitching staff that that's one of the best in the nation. You better have defense behind it. Um, so for me, I think, I think defense is completely dependent on each individual program. Um, but you look at the best teams out there, they play defense. And you look at the best teams out there, it's 90% shortstops across the infield and across the outfield. And so I think defense plays... An absolutely huge, huge role into it, but I do think it's positional. I think when you look at an outfielder, I don't think you care as much about some of the defensive side of it. You care if they can hit home runs and steal bases. Um, same thing with a first baseman. A first baseman, you care if he can hit the ball out of the park. Um, otherwise, you're going to move. You know, you're going to move a shortstop over to play first base at that point if he if he's not defensive enough. So, um, I think defense is extremely important for some of those best teams that that do pitch it really well. And and you look at those teams that are at the top. They, they do play a lot of really good defense.
1: I'm going to go three booms on that, Coach Bishop. Boom, boom, boom. Got three good points on that one. Um, Coach Kelly, anything you want to add into that?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think if we if we kind of dive into what Coach Katz is talking about there, it's so specific based on position, right? It's You're not just an outfielder at the college level. A left fielder and a right fielder are so different, and – those two are so different than a center fielder, right? It's, it's all very different. Um, some coaches are going to expect bigger numbers out of certain positions, right? I, generally speaking, a college coach is going to want his first baseman to hit more home runs than a second baseman and his center fielder to hit for a higher average in his catcher, right? So it's, it's going to be so specific depending on, uh, on your position. However, uh, as a catching guy, and I'm sure coach Bishop will back me on this. Um, I want my catcher to be the quarterback of of the field, uh, not just mentally, but defensively. I want him to be the best defender on the field. He has to control the game. He has to know all the pitchers. He has to be the one who is running and setting the tone from a defensive standpoint.
1: Boom.
3: Tally it. Definitely, definitely agree with a lot of the points the coaches are saying. I'm going to take it, you know, maybe a, a different Avenue and, uh, could even potentially be speaking out of turn. So BP, you might be able to jump on this one with having a little more experience at that level. Uh, but I do think, in terms of the argument of of the value of a defensive player, it is probably fair to say that uh, if you look across the spectrum of college baseball, uh, you know, if you want to play at the highest level possible, having the ability to play defense to get on the field is going to be an outlier and something that is going to be of more importance. Uh, You know, it's 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 important at all levels, but kind of like Coach Katz and and Coach Kelly mentioned, you know, different coaches and different programs are going to have, you know, maybe a little less need for that. But I do think it's fair to say that at the higher level of college baseball it becomes even more important to have the ability to play solid defense. And uh, a former coach of mine and and mentor of mine says it all the time. You know, a lot of times if you look deep into playoff baseball and and at high level teams, whether it's college baseball, whether it's professional baseball, whether it's really good high school baseball, the best teams make the fewest mistakes to beat themselves. Uh, And part of that is being able to play defense. Uh, and you could even translate that over since we're position people here uh, and talk about not beating yourself on the base pass. But uh, maybe a little bit of a different perspective there. Nope, I think
1: that that perspective is outstanding. And I, I'm going to just augment uh, what you just brought up there, Zach. And, you know, again, we've got different levels of coaching experience here. Um, and as far as what levels everyone has coached at. Um, I'll, I'll be the first to say that as a former division one recruiting coordinator, when I sat there and I watched players, I, there, there were two, there were kind of two ways that I looked at, at players. And if you were someone that played up the middle of the field, and we're talking about catchers, shortstop center fielders, I expect it was a de- those are defensive per- first positions for me. I expected you to be able to make the routine plays and even go outside the box and make the difficult plays with relative consistency. Um, when you move further out and really what you can do is you can take the, the, the two, you know, front edges, front corners of, of home plate, and you can draw a straight line out to the power alleys from there. Um, the center fielder, he's got to be able to go run balls down bottom line, got to be able to run balls down, got to be able to cover ground. Um, when you start spreading out to the corners, I think that that's when um, you're getting into players that might be a little more physical from a height and weight standpoint and strength standpoint. And uh, quite honestly, you, you're paying them to drive in runs. Um, they may not be as good defensively, um, but they, they're, they're, they're adequate to above adequate, but you're paying them to drive in runs. So the majority of plays happen up the middle of the field. And that's where you want your best athletes. That's where like I had, I never had any problem having two short stops playing in the middle, shortstop and second base, whichever one had the most range and the most arm strength played short. And, and as long as he was consistent and the one that had, you know, great, the, the fielding aspect was there and had a little bit less range and a little bit less arm. Well, he played second. Because you got two shortstops playing in the middle, um, sure. Does it happen where another shortstop goes out center field? Absolutely, but you want your best athletes, and and you you have to play defense up the middle of the field. So uh, those are my thoughts there. So that was a nice transition, Zach. All right, we'll uh, we'll keep going. Um, and I wanted to mention to everyone. Uh, I know that we've got a we've got a pretty good audience right now, and uh, obviously very very appreciative of folks taking the time out of their evening here. I know, you know, here on the East Coast, we're, we're posting there on the West Coast, everybody might be stuck in traffic or something like that. But certainly appreciative of everybody taking their time to join us here tonight. If you have specific questions that you would like anyone from our panel to answer, uh, feel free to DM any of us feel free to DM the Sports Force account. As I mentioned earlier, I am uh working from the Sports Force account this evening as the host, but you can also DM me. Uh my handle is at coach pew pugh and then the number 17. So I'll be monitoring that here for the rest of the evening and you can feel free to uh, To DM either one of those accounts, and um, if we get some questions that that we that we want to answer, we'll, we'll we'll be sure to answer those. Um, okay, so moving on here. Um, talk about metrics. talked about defensive ability. Um, I'm going to skip ahead, um, and and I want to spend some time here because uh, we're you know, right around the halfway point, and we can always revisit some things. I want to talk about because because I want to. I think it's important that position players hitters, recruits. I think that it's important that they hear from our perspective, not just what college coaches are looking for in them, but I think that they need to consider what they should be looking for out of college programs and college coaches. So I want to kind of shift gears to that side of the conversation. And, um, I, am going to go, uh, coach Bishop first. I'm going to go with Zach first. Um, what are some things that a recruit, a prospective student athlete, should be looking for in a program? What, what are your thoughts
3: on what they should be looking for in a program? Sure. So the first one I'm going to go at is probably one that I'm sure we would all say or go for. Uh, but your initial thought to me or, or something that you should spend a lot of time as a family thinking about before you make that decision is the coaching staff and the culture that you are going to decide to go in with. Uh, You know, first of thought, what is your relationship with those coaches that you've built throughout the recruiting process? Uh, You know, does that person seem like someone who you're going to get along with and buy into for four years? I think a, a misconception that that student-athletes have coming from the high school level is you don't realize how much time you are going to spend with that coach, um, especially if you if you want to get specific and talk about your hitting coach or your position coach. I think the head coach, obviously, you have to have a great relationship with, but that hitting coach or that catching coach or that infield coach or that outfield coach – You know, the one who's going to be in the cage with you, the one who's going to be taking you through daily individuals, uh, you need to have a a good working relationship with that coach because you are going to spend just an incredible amount of time with them. Uh, Some other things, you know, in terms of the coaching staff and the culture, you know, what is the, the history of that program? uh, the history of those coaches, you know, what, what not, and and that goes beyond, you know, just winning and losing a lot of times families and players hear history. And they think that that just means, uh, you know, how many games is that coach or that program won. Sure. That's important, but what have their players gone on to do? How successful, you know, what is their graduation rate? All kinds of things that you could look at in that, in that process. Uh, you know, what are the coaches going to expect of their players daily? What does their program look like? Uh, understand what the day-to-day of that program is going to be. Otherwise, you're going to get there uh, and you might be put through a whirlwind if it's not what you're looking for. And, and probably the last and, and most important thing, and, and this kind of ties back to what I started with, are you the type of player who's going to be receptive to that coach's style? Uh, you know, Every coach is, is going to have a little bit of a different style in terms of the way they talk and the way they work with their athletes. Uh, are you the kind of player who's going to be able to handle whatever that coach is, is going to lay on you?
1: Dude, I'm going to give you like 10 booms on that. I can't say that many booms in a row. I, you can just tally it as 10 booms because that, that was, that response was awesome. And that insight was awesome. Um, real, real quick, just, you know, 20 seconds, um, coach cats or coach Kelly, anything that you want to add to that?
2: Yeah. You know, from my perspective, it's kind of goes back to what I said is, do you fit the style of play that this program wants? Um, you know, like- are you a, are you a power hitter going to a, a program that wants to run and make sure they don't strike out a lot? Or are you a, a runner who goes to a program that, that likes to hit for power? You got to make sure you fit the, the system and the style of play. But then the second part is what resources do they have for your development? and What success do they have with development and what kind of individual development programs do they have for you?
1: That's awesome. Uh, Matt, listen, I'm going to skip you on this one because I'm going to tie you. I'm going to let you take the lead on kind no, of No, that's point.
4: fine. I had almost nothing there. Uh, they covered it all, so that's <laughs> well, fine.
1: listen, I'm going to tie you in on this. Uh, and, and I'm going to kind of go with, with kind of two points here and, and let you kind of speak on that because it, it's a great it's a great segue. It's a great transition into this. You know, we talked about relationship with the head coach, but relationship with the position coach, hitting coach, so on and so forth, because um, that's who you spend the most time with. Like. How does how should a, a recruit how should a family go about understanding and, and grasping the concept of uh, an offensive philosophy or an infielding philosophy? Um, but you know all those things like that you're trying to evaluate. How should a family and a recruit go about that?
4: You know that's it's a tough question, um, and that's that's why it is important to get good information. It's it's important to have to have good advice here because. Quite honestly, coaches are are going to tell you what you want to hear for the most part. If if you are somebody they want, right? They're not gonna they're not gonna go through the negative parts that uh, that some of the, the current players would tell you. They're gonna tell you what you want to hear. Um, the best thing you can do is like like Coach Cat said, get you know learn their system and how can you do that? Um, look at stats, right? Do they are they top third in the country in stolen bases and, and you're a fast guy? Well, th- that's great. You know, if you have one career home run in high school and they love to smash the ball over the fence, that's not your game. That's an easy way to do it without talking to anybody, right? All those stats are available online. Um, a, a trickier thing to do is to talk to players who've, who've known that coach before, other coaches, um, use the network you have available. Hopefully your, your high school or club coaches have, have sent guys to these schools before that you're interested in. You can ask – you know, what was their experience like, but it's a tricky thing, no doubt. I mean, there, there's no, there's no easy way to just go in and know the answers to those. Cause like I said, um, asking a coach like, Hey, why wouldn't I like it here? You know, you're not going to get the answer you're probably looking for there. Um, so I, I think having the right help in your corner and using the resources you have is your biggest asset. No, great answer. Um, and, and
1: just to add to that, uh, one of the things that as you go through the recruiting process, whether you're a pitcher, a position player, a two-way guy, whatever, one of the things that, that coaches are always looking to do in phone calls, Zoom sessions, however you are communicating with them, is they're looking to build a relationship. And if you can – I have to be careful how I say this. The basis of most good relationships are built on honesty and trust. That That's the basis of most are the base of most successful relationships. And as you build as a recruit, as a family, as you build relationships with coaches at different schools, it's, that's how it should be built, honesty and trust. Um, it is okay for you as a player. It is okay for you as a prospective student athlete. It's okay for you to ask questions. Ask questions. I've been on a hundred calls, a million calls, a million might be a little bit much. I can easily say I've been on a thousand calls where I have flat out asked a recruit or or parents and said, what questions do you have for me? And the answer is "Uh, nothing right now. I'm pretty good. I'm giving you as a college coach, I'm giving you the green light and the opportunity to ask me questions and find out more about the institution, about the area, about the program, about myself, I'm inviting you to do that because I want you to have a full grasp, um, so that you can make an informed, objective decision. And I think that that's something that gets overlooked a lot of times. So, Everybody's in different stages of the recruiting process right now. Some are fir- some might be further along. Some might be just getting started. Some might just be starting to think about it. Um, keep a keep a list of questions that you want to ask college coaches that are important to you, that are important to your family, and through the process of conversation, as you start to engage in those. If they answer those for you, make sure you write those down and or cross them off because those questions have been answered. But make sure that you get the questions that you want to know the answers to answer. That is, that's my, that's one of my biggest pieces of advice is talk to the coaches. If they ask you, if they give you the invitation to ask questions, ask questions, ask them. There's no such thing as a bad question.
3: All right. Sorry. Sorry. I think, oh, get, I think we all agree you get I think we all agree you got to give yourself at least a boom or two on that one. That was that was pretty good right there. <laughs> uh,
1: I'll tell you what. You know what? Just just give me one. Just give me it's not a competition. Just just give me one. I'm looking for the total number of the night. But thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> um okay. Um so there's there's a lot of there's obviously and and we're talking um hitting now as opposed to uh, just positional play because I think it's easier to generalize hitting. And from a philosophical standpoint, it's easy, easier to generalize that, uh, especially from conversation. Um, what about the idea of cookie cutter versus individualized approach to hitting? What are your guys' thoughts on that, Coach Cats? Why don't you Why don't you bat leadoff? Uh, I get you and I. Were, you and I were both pitchers, man. We never hit leadoff, but why don't <laughs> you go ahead and lead it off here?
2: Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the I think the individualized approach is extremely important. That's what That's what players want these days. That's what That's what the game is calling for. Not everybody is the same. Um, your three hitter should not be the same as your nine hitter, um, and so when it comes to the training standpoint, it the training needs to be different. And so when you're meeting with college coaches, you're talking with them, you're on your recruiting visits, I think that's important to see. It's important to observe a practice if you have the opportunity to, to ask the questions of, you know, what is this guy doing and what is his role for you, and, and get perspective from, from different outlooks because I think it's extremely important that when you pick a program, you pick a program that does have individualized development plans, not just a, a cookie-cutter approach.
1: Two booms. Two booms for you. That was outstanding.
3: Um, who wants to follow up? Fire away. Yeah, I'll jump on. So the, to, to piggyback with that, um, you know, obviously having an individualized uh, program or, or development plan is, is going to be important. So we talked just now about asking coaches questions. When you have that visit with them, when they talk to you about what they like about you and why they chose to recruit you, ask those coaches, you know, what is your program or how are you specifically going to make me a better hitter? What does our season look like? What does our off-season programs look like? What does our daily hitting look like? What do you believe in? What programs do we use? Do we use underload and overload training beds? Do we use blast motion? How do we use blast motion? All valuable, valuable questions that you can use to get a true understanding of what a coach does to develop you because every coach in the country can say that they develop hitters, but if they don't have a proven way to show you or tell you what they're doing and then have those numbers or that data back up what they're saying, then are they truly developing you and will you truly get better while you're there?
1: Coach Kelly, does this all go back to understanding a coach's system and what they value, Um, or is is this more – because I think there's two different approaches to this. Like, There's coaches that say, hey, man, we want to have a a balanced offensive attack. We want speed. We want power. We want guys that can hit for average the whole deal. Um, Or like, how how does that all – how does this all play into what we're talking about?
4: I mean it, it it's a little bit of both, right? It ties together. You think about if it's if it's a system that likes to hit the ball really far, right? If they're if they're a doubles home runs team, uh, if you watch major league baseball, Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani have two different swings, right? They're they're two very different guys. There's different ways to to replicate success. Um, so it's going to be more about less how do they teach you to hit and how do they it's gonna be more so how do they respond to the way you learn, right? How do they understand what makes you tick right if they tell one thing to one guy that might not make sense to you right if you're if you're an outfielder um and and this is now speaking defensively um and and your center fielder is really good at a drill uh, and you're not good at it what what is that coach going to do to you know flip the switch in your mind And, and that goes for offense and defense so it's not necessarily just the metrics, which are super important. Uh, track record is super important, but a, a good coach is going to be able to, to realize what helps you learn. Are you, um, are you the guy who, hey, I can say it one time and you can go through the drill. Do you need a little bit more attention on something? Are you more of a visual learner? Do you have to try it longer? Whatever it is, I think that's the, the key to the cookie cutter versus the individualized approach.
1: That's an awesome answer. Two more booms. I like it. Um, I think that just to elaborate just a smidge on what Coach Kelly just brought up there, um, I think that as much as there are different styles of players, I think that one thing that is super important for coaches to understand is there are different style learners. There are kinesthetic learners that need to learn by doing. There are audio learners that just can hear it and apply it. And there are visual learners that need to see it done. And and that's just the feedback they get. That's how they learn the best. Um, For me, I I think that, you know, when when you're evaluating a college uh, program as a recruit and what they, you know, value and teach and all that sort of stuff, I think that for me, it always came down to knowing what your strengths are and are they going to help me not only you know play to my strengths and maximize my strengths, but look, this is transparency, folks. Every player has weaknesses and you have weaknesses through your entire career. Garrett Cole has weaknesses in his game. Aaron Judge has weaknesses in his game you're never, they're always going to be weaknesses. The challenge is, can you bridge the gap between your strengths and your weaknesses and make them less of a weakness? That was always a big thing for me. Are our coaches able to willing to have the plan to let you play to your strengths, but also bridge the gap between your strengths and your weaknesses. That was always a big thing for me and one thing that I always looked at. So um, great, great stuff there. Um, for those of you that uh, that may have joined us late, um, you've got Brian Pugh, you've got Zach Bishop, you got Matt Kelly, uh, all advisors with Sports Force Baseball. You've got Jesse Katz, who's a consultant with Sports Force Baseball. Um, all of us have been involved in the college game. For various amounts of time, Uh, we are, you know, we are here to help spread knowledge, educate um, and uh, and help facilitate, you know, for for certain families every year. We're here to help facilitate and, and assist in navigating the recruiting process for. Uh, p- prospective student-athletes and their families because it can be very overwhelming. So um, we're going to continue on with our conversation here this evening about recruiting position players and and really talking about uh, what college coaches are looking for, but also talking about what players and families are evaluating as well. Um, bear with me just a second. Um, it's going to take me like 20 seconds because, of course, my battery in my uh, laptop started to run out. I'm trying to monitor uh, Twitter for questions and everything. So I just got to plug in real quick. Just bear with me. Too many Zooms today. That's that's what it all came down to. Um, all right. There we go. We're up and running. We're back. Okay. Okay. Um, so again, shifting gears a little bit. And we talk about the recruiting process. Um, I'm curious to know the the panel's thoughts on how, first and foremost, how is, you know, the transfer portal is a hot topic right now. Uh, There's over, we're pushing 2,500 players in the transfer portal. How in your guys' mind is the transfer portal impacting the recruiting process for high school student-athletes at this point? Um, I'm open to whoever wants to take this first, whoever wants to tackle this first.
4: Well, you know, I, I think I'll just start with the simple fact that uh, it's more competition, right? It's, it's more competitive than it has ever been to get recruited to play college baseball uh, is the simplest way to put it. You have the transfer portal, uh, junior colleges. The junior college baseball landscape is growing. They're adding more junior colleges, not to mention these, these post-grad programs that I've been a part of. Um, these, these other options are growing for, um, for colleges to pull from. And it's easier with, with social media for them to see players across the country. It's getting more and more competitive. So I'll let, I'll let, uh, I mean, really all three of you kind of elaborate on that, but I do want to start with it's, I want to make sure everyone understands it's making it more competitive. It's making it harder to get a spot in college baseball.
1: I'm jumping on this real quick and then I'll go to Jesse and, uh, Zach, you know, the the bottom line is there's, there's over at the high school level, there's over a half million uh, high school baseball players in the country. Um, When you look at the three divisions, one, two, three, you look at NAIA JC junior college um, and the the sheer number of opportunities that are out there to just have a roster spot um, and play at the collegiate level and advance your career. And these, this is not put out there to scare anybody. It's reality. it's, a shade under 12 percent of high school baseball players have the opportunity to go on and play at the college level whether that be scholarship or non-scholarship and the uh the likelihood that you go on and play at the division one level and and that's almost 300 programs um is is sitting right around two percent two point eight percent it's it's not very high um so yeah it's becoming super competitive. It's always been super competitive. And it's competitive on both sides. It's competitive for the colleges and it's also competitive for you guys as families and, and as prospective student athletes. So I'm just that's gonna be my, my point with the the statistical part of things. And I'm gonna let Coach Katz and, and Coach Bishop take over from there.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Um, the transfer portal is wild. Um, when you when you refresh the page, there's you know a hundred new new athletes uh, you know every every time you refresh, and it, it's making it extremely difficult for high school kids, position players specifically, not as much pitchers, but p- uh, position players specifically to to find opportunities to play at the highest level right away. Um, ma- mainly because it's giving guys that made a decision. Um, on a school a second chance that's that's the way I, I look at it the transfer portal is is you're getting a second chance from Boom. a, a decision making process Market. you make a decision and uh, you know you make the decision and you go there and you didn't really like your experience you get a second chance to to make another decision and, and that really has a trickle down effect to to high school athletes so it's just getting it's getting wild it's very tough it's very difficult um, because there is really an, an added value to a transfer student who has a year or two of college experience under his belt.
3: Yeah, you guys, you guys pretty much hit that. I'm just going to jump on a quick point that kind of goes with Coach Katz's last statement. But, uh, you know, when I would bring families on campus and, and talk about where college baseball was at and talk about the transfer portal, a lot of, you know, high school parents or players don't understand why uh, at times college coaches would rather bring in someone from another program, you know, for, for whatever reason, I think it's only fair to say that coaches want to win and they want to win right now. Uh, and whether it's right or not, and whether, whether every coach agrees with it or not, a lot of times they are going to give an opportunity to someone who might be bigger, stronger, faster, or in a lot of cases, simply older because they are, you know, they 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 are an experienced college hitter with 200 at-bats underneath their belt and they know what they're going to get from them when they walk in the door. Uh it's just it's just goes with with the idea of of wanting to win right now. Four
1: booms for you, Coach Bishop. Those were all excellent points.
3: That that was
1: fantastic. You know what, folks, college coaches, yes. don't yeah, 100% college coaches want to see you walk across the stage get your degree. They want to see you happy. They want you back every year. No doubt about it. But ultimately college baseball coaches, especially at the division one level are paid to win baseball games and administrators, whether that be in the athletic department or the upper echelon of the institution, they want athletic programs that win it has an impact on donor dollars. It, it, like, it has a financial impact on the institution. It, it has an exposure impact on the institution, which ends up having a financial impact on the institution due to enrollment. Like Administrators want wins. They want to hang banners. They want to put thing, uh, rings on fingers. Winning is important. Um, the, the other aspects of it with... Progress towards degree, graduation rate. Yes, that's why you go to, to college. You go to get an education because at some point, someone at some point in time is going to say, "Hey, man, it's all done for you. It, it, it's time. It, it, the spikes are coming off. The jersey's getting hung up. Time to go into the real world." So you need the education to fall back on. But like, athlete, there's money in athletics, and, and uh, baseball has college baseball has really grown into more even not even though not a primary but it's more of a revenue generating sport than it was even five years ago. so colleges want coaches that are going to put wins on the board are going to bring in recruits they're going to help take the program to the next level and because it has such a huge impact on the the, the campus and the institution as a whole. All right. I'm off my horse. Uh, um, All right. Um, Let's talk about, you know, we're going back to what players, what families should be evaluating. Um, Let's talk about goals a little bit. You know, we've, we've hit on them here and there through the conversation. What are some goals or how do we talk about goals that a student athlete has in communicating them with a potential program, a potential fit? What are your guys' thoughts there? Um, Coach Katz, I'm going to you first.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think you have to be upfront about what your goals are. You know, I had many phone calls where I've had a conversation and the kid's first goal was I want to play professional baseball. Um, That's great at a, at a lot of levels. um, But sometimes that's not necessarily the goal of the program. And and maybe that's not the staple of the program. Maybe the staple of the program is they're going to get you to graduation. Um, And so you've got to be upfront with your goals so that they can, they can kind of answer, answer the questions that you have regarding if they're going to help you achieve those goals. Um, so to, for goals on my end, it's, it's big just to, to have those goals and then be upfront about what goals you want to achieve and ask the questions if they're going to help you get there.
1: i give you a boom for that. That was good. That was very good. Very insightful. Um, Zach, Matt, either one of you want to add anything in?
3: Sure. So one thing that, that I always like to talk about is, is when you're picking a school in terms of your goals, the unfortunate situation is a lot of times most of you probably are only thinking about the baseball side of things. In reality, if you were going to have a successful college career and not end up being uh, potentially one of those guys in the portal where it didn't work out on your first, first try or second try or whatever it might be, there's three boxes that you've got to check. You've got to check the athletic box, which is all the baseball stuff that we've talked about in terms of finding the right program. You've got to check the academic box, which probably should be the most important piece of the puzzle, uh, making sure that school has what you want to do and has something that's going to set you up to be successful for the rest of your life. And then third, which is what the coaches probably talk about the least amount, but you got to find a school that is going to fit your social box. You know, is it, is it in a – are you willing to travel away from home? Do you want to stay close to home? Uh, are you going to be comfortable at a big university? Do you need to be in the small classroom setting? Uh, you know, all kinds of different things to, that you can look at down that route. But there is more pieces of this puzzle to picking a college than just the baseball aspect. Hey, Zach, just, just a,
1: a follow-up to that. Would you, would you put the financial goals – of the family in the same category as the social goals, or would you separate those?
3: I think you could even make that a separate goal. Uh, you could put that in the social aspect, just in terms of of deciding the the proper university, but every family, you know, that is going to be something that is is unique to you and your situation, uh, you know, is finding a school where you can get a scholarship of the utmost importance, uh, you know, because a lot of times the other part of that, and I know I'm kind of diving off the off the wagon here, but uh, you know you might have a situation where you have an athletic scholarship to one school uh, that is limited and more academic scholarships to another school such as a division three university if you're a strong student uh, so just more more importance to to be able to sit down and see the whole picture uh, when making that decision and, and looking towards your goals of choosing a school
1: absolutely and you know the the, I think the financial and the academic, uh, aspect, um, and, and perspective, I think that they kind of tie into one another, um, because obviously the better off you are from an academic standpoint, GPA wise, board score wise, if you're going to report them and if you're going to submit them, um, but the better off that you are, the, the more opportunity that you give yourself at certain institutions, um, just because you might be uh, there might be more uh, merit-based financial aid available to you and your family, which certainly can make the cost of college uh, less expensive. Um, higher education is not a cheap proposition uh, for in 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 probably ninety percent of of situations. So you want to try and maximize the financial opportunities that you have for you and your fam for you and your family, excuse me, I got the hiccups right now for you and your family. And, um, but also be able to reach the goals that, that you have. So yeah, I think those two things go, go hand in hand. Um, I want to go to, to each of our panelists, uh, right now, because I know that I have one, um, guys have, has anybody reached out to, either of you with any kind of questions uh, via direct message.
4: Uh, I did have one come up earlier that, uh, that we actually already addressed uh, and it was transfer portal, transfer portal related. Uh, but that, I think we did a good job covering that already.
1: Sweet. It's like, I was reading your mind. Awesome. I'll give myself a boom for that. Uh, Zach, Jesse, anything? Uh,
3: I did not get any questions. I had one. It was worded. Uh, it's worded a little bit funky. So I'm going to put it into the way I think that they're trying to ask it. Yes. Uh, interpret it. I think what the question is, is what kind of, we like to use the word intangibles. What are some intangibles that college coaches look for in athletes position players specifically when they go out to recruit them?
1: Oh, what an awesome question. And since you actually asked that, I'm going to lead off cause I haven't let off yet tonight. Um, so, intangibles, man, what a huge, broad topic. Um, basically, intangibles for those that uh, may, you know, just not understand what the word means, is intangibles are things that you can't measure. Uh, there's, no, there's no data that can be applied to them. For the longest time, to give you a history of it, for the longest time, um, things like exit velocity, College coaches, pro scouts, they never measured it. There was no radar gun on it. There was no TrackMan. There was no um, Rapsodo, anything like that. What you did was you watched and you watched how fast the ball came off the barrel, how far it traveled, the the height at which it came at, and and how like, and you went, man, the ball really gets off his barrel, and that's what you wrote down. There was no aggregate data that went with it. Now there is. So what we've done is we've, we've qualified what pro scouts, college scouts have known forever. We've just put aggregate, uh, you know, data attached to it, but there are things that college coaches look for pro scouts look for that you cannot measure that there, I don't know that there will ever be a measure for it. Uh, One of them for me and a big one for me is enthusiasm. That might be different. That might be different terminology than any of our other panelists have ever heard. Is there an enthusiasm for playing the game? Are you excited to get on the field? Are you locked in when you're on deck and trying to analyze what the pitcher is doing? Are you excited for your teammates and happy for your teammates when they are successful? Are you willing to and able to put aside? Whatever kind of success or struggle or failure you might be experiencing at the time, and focus on your teammates. Do you go out and play the game with energy? Do you do you run balls out? Do you play hard? Um, I know that that's kind of a loose term. How do you handle failure if you if you punch in three pitches your first at bat and the umpire hoses you on a on a strike three? um, Do you take that into the field with you and? Ultimately, more times than not, the, the first ball it's hit is going to find you in the field. Do you, do you tank that ball and do you just heave it back to the end of the infield and give up a free 90? Like There's so many intangibles that come into play. But I think for me, the biggest thing was what's the enthusiasm level and what's the engagement level that a young man plays the game with, whether that's as a position player or as a pitcher. You guys can take it from there.
2: So For me, I think the one that, that gets thrown around a ton is He's an absolute gamer uh, gamer for me embodies everything competitiveness, baseball IQ on, um, you know, relentlessness, not willing to be beat um, knows where to be at the right time at the right place without being told um, makes all the routine plays. So for me, the, the highest intangible, you can't measure it is, is gamer.
3: I'm going to jump in off of that. And especially I like that you mentioned baseball IQ. So I was going to go into that and, This is something that I think athletes have the ability to separate themselves by more now than ever. Uh, I think that in terms of what I call having feel for the game or situational knowledge, as a lot of people will call it, is at an all-time low right now across the board in baseball. I think players are more talented and stronger and more physical and more gifted than they've ever been. Uh, But having that knowledge and fuel for the game and having an approach and understanding all the intricacies in baseball or all the cat and mouse games that I like to call them uh, is a way to separate yourself. And then the last thing I'll touch on, and I bet Coach Kelly will jump on this, especially because probably we're both catching guys. uh, But communication is key to me. I, I look for guys that communicate when they're on the ball field.
4: Yeah. I mean, all, all three of you nailed it. Um, I think, you know, what the question was, was right. What, what are these intangibles? Um, and all three of these guys summed it up perfectly and gave a, a bunch of great examples of what an intangible is. I think the biggest one for me and in, in speaking to this specific space here, position players and, specifically hitters, it's having a short memory. And that, that ties in a little bit to, right, don't carry it out on the field and everything. But to me, it's even pitch to pitch, right? Did that umpire hose you on a, a bad call on a 1-1 count? Now now you're behind in the count instead of ahead. Um, how, did, how do you let that affect you, right? Are you in the field and you just booted a ground ball? Um, you know, the rules of baseball say that that next one's getting hit to you, whether you like it or not, right? The next one's coming your way. How do you handle that? How do you <laughs> handle failure and adversity? Um, and I mean, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and repeat everything these guys have said. But but all these other, I mean, baseball IQ is the biggest you know biggest one for me. That uh, that one that one was already taken, so I wanted to throw the the short memory thing in there. But I would agree 100 percent with baseball IQ. It's it's something that you just you can't really teach. Having situational knowledge, I love that term from Coach Bishop.
1: Nope, all great,
4: all all awesome. I'll tell you what, between
1: the four of us will go four booms, like chalk it up, four booms. Um, all right, so I got a question here, and this is through the uh, the Sports Force Twitter uh, page. I'm going to switch over to mine here after I read this. Um, all I'm going to say is that this is from a 2025 recruit, um, and the question is, what's an acceptable 60-time for a college center fielder? And I'll, I'll just kind of spearhead this and just say I think that it depends on what level the college center fielder is at or ends up playing at. Um, yes. There, there can be a, you know, anywhere from a six, four to a six, six runner at the division three level. And at the division one level, um, I think that the earlier, as we talked about uh, really at the beginning of the space, when we talked about metrics, it all depends on kind of when you show those metrics um, is, is kind of dependent upon things. So um, if, if you're a six, four, six, six runner, um, as a 2025, um, yeah, that's going to open some eyes and then they're going to look at some different things because that that's elite speed. I mean, let, let's be honest, that's elite speed. Uh, but I can tell you that there are center fielders at the college level that are six, eight, seven O runners that, um, number one, get great jumps on balls and run great routes, get great reads. Do they have to be positioned a little bit better and just have a little bit better feel for the game? Sure, and that's what allows those great jumps, great reads, great routes. Um, but I'll go back to Coach Katz's point at the very beginning uh, about its understanding about what what system uh, 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 an institution employs. Are they more of a what I would call a banger type institution, where? We're fine if our center fielder runs a seven oh seven two, as long as he hits fifteen jacks and drives in sixty. Um, or do we want our center fielder to be a six four six six or you know six seven six? But end up be a burner, be a top of the lineup guy that's going to steal for thirty to forty bases per year. Um, that's my take on that. Anybody else want to chime in?
2: I'll give you a boom on that one. Un unreal answer right there. I think you. I think you crushed that one. I think. It, I think I can completely agree with you. On on the system, I think the going back to the sixty time. I think the sixty time is one of the ultimate. Um, you can get fooled by the sixty time when you're when you're reading it. Um, you know, I think you can find really good center fielders who are really fast in game, but not necessarily run straight line speed. And so, um, I think you hit the nail on the head with that.
1: Appreciate it. And, and quite honestly, like if speed is a part of your game, I think that one of the things that college could, so, you know, we're going, we're in showcase baseball season here. And, and look, this is, this was always one of my beefs. Um, and, and like, it drove me crazy, quite honestly, out watching players play. Okay. If I'm out watching somebody play, there's something that got me there. It might be speed, if it's a pitcher, it might be velocity or, or spin rate or, you know, ungodly breaking, whatever it might be. Guy can really, you know, bang, whatever it might be. But when we're talking about center fielders, okay, there's certain things that going into it, I expect to see. I expect to either see a center fielder really be able to bang and be sufficient as a center fielder, or I expect him to be able to fly. And if you're a flyer, because that's the way I always termed it, if you're a flyer and you're hitting one, or even if you're hitting nine, because I know that that showcase, you know, lineups they fluctuate. Like you might hit one, one game, you might hit nine the other game, whatever it might be. But if speed is part of your game and you can flat out run, especially as a left-handed hitter, I always wanted to know if you incorporated the short game. Could you bunt for a hit? Because if your metric said that you were a 3'8", three three 9 down the line, going into it, I expected you to be able to bunt for a hit. I, I'm not going to lie. The, one of the wah-wah-wahs for me was seeing that guy that could really fly, and all he wanted to do was try and hit the ball out of the ballpark, but at the end of the day, he hit 250-foot fly balls.
3: You really can nice run. Hayes.
1: You can run. Put the ball on the ground and run why wouldn't you do that? That, that was always one of my beefs again. Sorry, sorry to get preachy, but that was always one of my beefs. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Or if you just want to leave that alone, they're going to leave that alone. That's awesome. Okay. Um, all right. So looks like maybe one or two more questions. Um, and then we're, we're going to wrap up here folks, because you know, we're, we're just a little bit past nine o'clock. We certainly appreciate everybody tuning in this evening, um, you know, to our sports force baseball chat here on recruiting position players. We hope that, uh, some things that you've heard, or maybe one thing that you've heard this evening have been insightful, helpful, uh, and, and have provided a little bit of guidance for you. Um, as i mentioned earlier way back in the beginning you know we we're here to educate we are a for-profit business um and we do partner with select families every single year we go through a very um strict uh, qualification process with families um and if that's something that you're interested in you know a potential partnership and finding out whether or not you would be a qualified family a qualified student athlete there's a couple different avenues that you can do that through, uh, number one, you can go to either the sports force or my personal, uh, Twitter page, coach cats, coach Kelly, uh, actually coach cats. Do you have one up there? I can't remember or not. I do not. Okay. So coach Kelly, coach, uh, Bishop, I, we all have free, uh, evals on our Twitter bios that you can, um, you know, just click on that and and you know request a free eval. It's going to ask you for some information. We'll look at some video. We'll look at some metrics and and so on and so forth. Um, we offer also, excuse me, we also offer um, paid consultations um, where you can do a you know forty five minute Zoom meeting where we review video. Uh, metrics, but also get into what your recruiting game plan is at the at this point and goals and and so on and so forth. So that's available also right now. I'm the only uh, advisor that's doing that. If it's something that you're interested in, you can certainly shoot me a DM. Again, my uh, my personal uh, Twitter is at Coach Pugh. That's P U G H and the number seventeen. You can shoot me a DM and I'll give you a link to my calendar where you can sign up. Uh, for the paid consultation. Um, and we're going to have other advisors on board with the paid consultations as well here shortly. Um, so, uh, but I had one more, I had one more question. Um, I'm going to turn it over to uh, the rest of the panel that's on here and, and just double check with them to make sure and see if they had anything come in on their end. Just I
4: the one that I would Oh, I'm sorry. I I actually did have one come in here. I'm just going to pull it up. So it's actually another transfer portal related question. Um, and, and Brian, I'm I'm hoping you might have some, some insight into this, uh, a little bit more of a specific question, but had somebody wondering if, if we're seeing, right, right. Um, we're having you know somebody's wondering if we're seeing a lot of uh, Division two players in the transfer portal move up to Division one um, or if they're if they're still sticking to mostly the Juco and the d3 guys transferring to d1 in the portal that's a great question that's an awesome question. Um,
1: yeah no I think that with um, with the transfer portal uh, having experienced this and and done it quite honestly, um, division one, when you're looking at the transfer portal you are honestly looking for the best available option i always said it's the free agent market and if you were the best available option division 1 coaches 100% look at the division 2 level they look at the division 3 level i think at the division 2 and division 3 level the first thing they look for is graduate transfers um, but they certainly do look at the undergraduate transfers as well Um, no doubt, because as we alluded to before, it's about winning. No. And if there's somebody that can win, um, and help you win games, whether it be as a position player, as a pitcher, whatever it might be, uh, they're certainly going to explore it. Uh, the transfer portal does require some digging on the coaches parts because there's only so much information that a young man and an institution puts in the transfer portal. So they go and look at stats. They, you know, and the next thing is they're going to ask for transcripts because you got to make sure of progress towards degree and, and so on and so forth. But no, it is not even close to out of the realm of possibility that a division two player jumps to the division one level. Um, it is simply because they've developed and they've got a good body of
4: work. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I think it's just, college coaches, like he said, are looking to win baseball games, right? So if, if you can do that, no matter what division you're coming from, however old you are, if everything else lines up, the academics, the, you know, the, the grades, all that kind of stuff, if that lines up and you can help a college coach win baseball games, it's certainly um, it's certainly an option. Now the transfer portal, like we mentioned is full of guys. There are a ton of guys. So is it super likely? Um, No, but you know, it's, it's just as likely as, as a D3 guy or a D1 guy going to another D1. It all depends on can you help this, this program win baseball games. Yep, and, and along with that, I think, it you know,
1: with the predominance and, and just how saturated the transfer portal is at this point in time, I mean, there does have to be a game plan. Um, on the end of the student-athlete and of the the family of the student-athlete. If you think that regardless of division, if you think that you're just going to throw your name in the transfer portal and it's automatically going to garner interest because you're transferring, hate to be honest, but you're wrong. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Uh, coaches are going to go look at what your body of work is, what your stats are. They're going to Google you. They are going to find video. They're going to watch video. They're going to call around. They're going to do all that sort of stuff. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think that having a game plan and a targeted game plan, strategic game plan in the transfer portal or as a high school student athlete, having a strategic game plan is crucial to having success in the recruiting process without question. All right. I got one more question here. And then I think we're pretty much going to get ready to wrap it up again. Certainly appreciate everyone's time tonight and hanging in there tonight. I can, I think I speak for everybody when, when I say that we all have, a passion for not just talking about these topics, but we have a passion for helping young men and helping, you know, families of young men, uh, through this process and educating. And, uh, I, I really believe that our CEO, Andrew Beinbrink would not have, uh, brought us on board if we didn't all share the same passion. So, um, I got one more question, Sorry. I'm running a little bit slow right now. Um, okay, here we go. Hey coach. I'm a 2024 first baseman, right-handed hitter. I'm not getting that many looks from colleges right now. What can I do in order to have more recruiting interest? That's, that's the gist of the question. So, um, I'll go to coach Bishop first, Uh, 2024, you know, right-handed hitting first baseman. What can he do to garner more recruiting attention right now? Sure.
3: So that's definitely a a very broad question. The first thing I'm going to recommend, I think it's a good thing to end on in terms of my part, because it's my favorite thing to, to say to high school athletes. The first thing you can do is you have to start to create a list of target schools or a level that you think you can play at uh and and a target list of schools that probably needs to be a lot bigger than what you're thinking when i tell you a target list you're probably thinking 5 to 10 schools where that target list should probably be closer to 30 to 40 schools and the best way you can start that list to me something that's completely free to you rather than driving all across the country and going to different showcases and hoping you get a call simply go out and watch college baseball uh the best way to understand the level of college baseball and how talented kids are, whether it be Division Three, Division Two, Division One, Junior College, NAIA, is to go out and watch those teams play and watch those individual athletes compete. Start to look at where you're at. Start to look at where they're at. Uh, obviously, you have a couple more years of development, but... I know you might be looking for more of the, the physical in terms of what can you do and to improve your metrics and different things, but to start to get an understanding if you want to play college baseball of what level you can play at, the best thing you can do and the best thing many of you can do is go watch college baseball.
1: Boom for you.
2: Anybody else? Yeah, I would. You know, my my advice there would just be try to try to vers- make yourself a little bit versatile. Um, and, and that doesn't mean you got to go. You know, start playing a bunch of different positions, but but give yourself a little bit of an opportunity to to try out a secondary position like a third base or a corner outfielder. It just makes your options expand a little bit. Twenty twenty four, you're a little bit on the young side to be saying you're just a first baseman. So in my mind, it would be try to make yourself a little bit more versatile. Um, develop maybe a little bit of that of that secondary position just to give yourself more options when a college coach is, is watching you and talking to you about where you might fit in their program
4: well I kind of I kind of want to um, I mean I completely agree with these two guys I think the biggest thing is you know if, if, you're, if you're not getting a lot of attention from colleges right now um, let's figure out why right what is it that that is preventing you from getting looks is it Um, your social media pages, is it your stats? Is it your size? Is it your projectability? Um, Yeah. As, as a, I believe you said it was a 25 um, you you got time, right. And and a lot of these schools don't, don't start recruiting that young. And that's just the reality of it. Um, But I think it's very important to get an honest and unbiased evaluation. That is something we provide at sports force. I'm not going to say it it has to be through us, but I think to get an honest set of eyes and unbiased set of eyes, Um, you know, other than just a family member who says, yeah, you're awesome. We love watching you play, which is great. Um, But when it comes to playing college baseball, we got to be realistic, right? We have to have uh, a reality check once in a while. So I think getting that evaluation um, and honest feedback about where you're at and why that's the case is super important.
1: Yep. Boom for you, Coach Kelly, Uh, Coach Katz. I'm going to give a boom for you, even though – even though there was a follow-up on the DM in the middle of your response that said, I'm a left-handed thrower. So, yeah, nope, the other corner is not an option for him.
2: <laughs> corner, outfield, corner outfield is definitely an option.
1: <laughs> so I just figured I'd throw that. I'm not going to take one away from you, but uh, but I'll give you boom for that. Absolutely. I think versatility is a big thing, and and that's something that coaches are always thinking about is, all right, well, You know, like at the end of the day, boys and girls, and unless you are a middle of the field player, it's going to be your bat that gets you on the field. That's what's going to get you on the field. And if you're if you get recruited as a shortstop, and you might be a little bit on the slower side from a metric standpoint, but you've got a hand cannon across the diamond and a little bit less range. Guess what? They're going to think about you at third base. If you've got a little bit less arm strength and less arm, you know, less, uh, sorry, less range, less arm strength, and you can swing it a little bit, but your foot works good, guess what? They're going to think about you at second base. So, um, yeah, I think versatility is huge. And I think that that's one thing that um, the coaches always look at is, you know, yes, he's this right now, but if, you know, this, happens and this happens, he could end up being this, or this is what our ultimate plan is, uh, for this young man. So, um, you know, it's, it's a fluid, fluid thing. And one thing that I've always talked to, whether it be on a roster about, or, um, know, prospective student athletes also is at the end of the day, it's about opportunity. And where do you have an opportunity to be able to go in and develop where do you have an opportunity to go in and compete? Um, and that's, that's compete, uh, within yourself. That's compete against your, your teammates, but also compete against outside competition. Um, and you know, ultimately everyone's goal is to get on the field. So sure. I was recruited as a center fielder and I'm a center fielder in high school, but you know what the coaching staff feels like my best fit is in left field. And that's, what's going to get me on the field. Earlier in my career or right away, they think I'm the best option in, in left field. Okay, go play left field. That's fine. You're in a lineup. It doesn't matter. You're in a lineup. You got a chance to contribute. I, I just always really felt that that was important also from a perspective standpoint. Um, anything that, that you guys want to add on to that?
3: No, I just think that's a good point. and And that kind of ties back to our, our very first question of the night in terms of ways to stand out. We talked about, coach is looking for athleticism well everything coach Pugh just said kind of goes into why we look for athleticism and why uh that's such an important to tra- trait to have if you want to be a college athlete as is, is we might bring you in to be our shortstop or to be a shortstop but we have a really good junior senior shortstop that's already ahead of you for another year or two years but we might have an opening in left field, or we might have an opening at third base. And if you're athletic enough and your skill set is is strong enough to where you can transition to those other places, that's just another way for you to get in the lineup sooner than later.
1: Ultimately, you want to contribute. That's what it's all comes. That's what it all comes down to. You want to go in and contribute. Um, okay. Well. Folks, we are we are just a little bit past time, as is the case with most of the spaces that I run, because we all like to talk, especially myself. Um, but again, I hope that that there's been some thing this evening that has been insightful. Um, there's been, you know, a tidbit here and there that have been helpful to you as a family, you as a recruit. Um Again, you know, if you are interested in pursuing uh, a partnership with any of the advisors here, Coach Kelly, Coach Bishop, myself, uh, we all have um, free evaluation uh, profiles that you can go on and fill out. They're all on our uh, personal Twitter accounts. Um, if you're interested in just kind of figuring out where you are and getting that unbiased third person um, evaluation of just everything, skill set, uh, your, your process, your thought, you know, what you're doing right now, certainly send me a DM, uh, at coach Pugh, P-U-G-H 17. Um, and, and I'll be happy to send you a link to my calendar. Um, but with that, uh, we'll go closing comments and, um, I'm just going to go reverse order of what's on my screen right now. Coach Kelly, go ahead. And, uh, anything you want to say in closing before we sign off for the evening.
4: No, I mean, I, I think this was a really good one, right? Uh, you think of how many position players there are who want to play college baseball, and how many positions there are in the diamond. Um, like, like Coach Pew said a couple times. Hopefully, you got something out of this tonight. Um, you know, I, I, I can tell you, I learned a few things uh, from from divisions that I haven't coached in or played in um, there's always more to learn. So I want to thank all of you for taking time out of your evening to spend with us. Uh, like I said, hopefully you learn something and, and looking forward to having uh, hopefully some of you on for the next one with you.
1: Zbish, it's all you. I don't know. I just made that up. Does that work for you? <laughs> that
3: was actually a nickname growing up. So that's pretty cool Sweet. that you threw that out there I'm, for everybody. I'm in Zbish. Let's go. No, same thing, guys. Just wanna want to thank you for coming out. I kind of gave my big closing comment already, but the best thing you guys are doing just by being here tonight is investing in yourselves. You know that is something here at Sports Force. Uh, you know another another mission of ours is simply to educate, and that's what this is. And it's a free chance for you uh, to come in and, and hear from some people who have vast experience at the college level. Uh, and just by being here tonight, you made yourselves a little bit better. Hopefully, Coach Cats, you got yep. it.
2: Another another really fun one. I think the boom meter. Uh, I think it exploded. So no, really fun one. Thank you guys for <laughs> for, for checking us out. Um, I, I BP. I don't want to steal your job, but I think we got a one coming up on Sunday night, if I'm not mistaken. College yeah. coaches roadshow. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, we do. Hang on, I'll give the information about that. But wait a minute, you mentioned it, Coach Bishop. How many did you better have kept tallies there? Man. How many booms we got tonight? 36 booms, baby. Stop. 36 booms, 36 knowledge bombs. That's obviously subjective. Um, But I think that that's pretty good for, eh, I mean, that's one every three minutes. That's not too bad. And I'm I'm pretty pleased with that. But uh, that's everybody's own opinion. Yes, as Coach Katz alluded to. Hey, we've got we are doing another Twitter space, different, different, completely different thing. Um, this coming Sunday night on the 17th, we're going to do the second installment of our college coaches roadshow. We have got, I think, four uh, colleges from different levels between Division two and JC. They're going to jump on. They're going to let us know kind of where they are in the recruiting trail and just some insight into how they go about recruiting. So I think it'll be a great listen. Super interested in, in hearing different perspectives. What we're going to do is we're going to go about five minutes apiece with them like a lightning round. And um, it's it's not going to be round the horn like this. It's going to be one guy at a time. So um, we'll put some information out about that uh, here Um, probably starting tomorrow with our, our next college coaches roadshow. Um, But again, really appreciate everybody taking the time out of their evening uh, here to, to, to listen. And uh, the questions that were asked really appreciate the questions and the, the engagement from, from people Um, again, Brian Pugh with sports force. I'm going to get ready to sign off, watch for information about some free educational materials, Uh, Once this space is posted uh, and able to be retweeted, watch for some free giveaways for educational materials that we'll provide if you retweet um, this space once it's available. So um, really appreciate everybody joining us this evening. Guys, thank you very much on the panel. You guys were awesome as always. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you uh, soon. And hopefully you'll join us on our next space. So with that, everybody have a great night and, uh, and best of luck.
0: Thanks for being part of the realities of college recruiting podcast and our partner five tool baseball. You can easily subscribe on iTunes and check us out online at sports force baseball for every past episode of our podcast. If you want to ask questions, share insights and recommend future guests, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at sports force BB and Facebook under sports force baseball. Be sure to join us on our next episode of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast. And remember, your college decision isn't a four-year one, it's a 40-year one.